It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, May 18th, uh, just before Memorial Day, coming up on a long three-day weekend. I don't know what that means in quarantine land, but a three-day weekend nonetheless approaches. Uh, We have a bunch to talk about. There's been a bunch of little progressions here, as we've talked about last week, uh, the proposal by MLS to go to Orlando. Uh, We're going to touch more on that, but we also had some news from the governor. In fact, reversing, of course, by the governor of California and some other governors uh, around the United States regarding pro sports. Um, And the LA Galaxy continued their individual training today, uh, maybe the first time they published it. We're going to talk just a little bit about that. And then everything sort of leading to the MLS Players Union uh, responding basically to the proposal for Major League Soccer, about 26 teams going to Orlando, and some pay cuts and a whole bunch of other stuff that we want to dive into to help me do all that. Uh, The pan himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? When are we going to have games? (laughs) Well, I mean, real games, not the video game, not FIFA Real honest, like guys bump into each other and and uh, you know studs up and VAR and all that good stuff that we love so much. It feels closer now than it has ever been here in the United States. And I will tell you that I don't know about you, uh, but I watched some Bundesliga this weekend. Uh, there was there was live sports on, and I was watching it. That also meant, by the way, Kevin, I watched about twenty minutes of NASCAR as well. So I mean, really, at this point, my bar for live sports is pretty low. Um, I've never been a huge NASCAR fan. Watched it over the years here and there. Um, probably more like Formula One guy whenever it comes to racing, that type of thing. But um, yeah, it's it, we're starved for live sports. I don't know what to tell you. That's that's really the only answer. Well, no, I mean NASCAR. It NASCAR coming back was great because it reminded me of the 405 during rush hour, and it felt good to see traffic again. Um, you know, it's been so long since there's been traffic, but it does feel like uh, the game's getting back. The Bundesliga games were odd. Uh, and that you could hear the players talking to each other, and, and the echo in the stadium uh, was really noticeable. I was told by somebody who used to do NFL games for a major network that the best thing for the NFL, now he was talking about the NFL, but I think it, it works for the Bundesliga, um, the best thing to do is to it, use tight shots whenever possible. Now, if a guy you know, you know, boots the ball 40 yards down the field, you got to pan back but use tight shots as much as possible and i don't think anybody would object to some canned crowd noise as long as it's not totally over the top like someone yelling hey you know klaus kick the ball here you know as long as it's not like that if it's just kind of a buzz right um and you've heard that you've heard that before a lot of games from south america do that it almost sounds like a kind of a vuvuzela sound and that's all that's all piped in it's not sound from the stadium uh, generally, when someone's doing this stuff from their uh, home office or from a studio somewhere, they use that piped-in music. Um, I, I think that would help the ambiance because, you know, as even the Borussia Dortmund coach said, he said, you know, we, we'd kick a ball down the field or there'd be a great goal or, or something would happen on the field and there would be no reaction to it. Uh, I think they need a little bit of that. I know the emotion is supposed to be in the stadium and that's that's supposed to feed the broadcast, but it just I just thought it lost a lot when there was no reaction to any great play. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, uh, I'm of the opinion. It was fine for me. I didn't have any problems with it. Um, you know, for the most part, whenever I watch soccer from different leagues around the world, it's a background sport sort of thing anyways. I turn it on and I sort of leave it on in the background because I like to watch, but I don't necessarily have time to just sit there and stare at it. Um, luckily for me, Jake Jake got up early because he always gets up early. Uh, and so we got to sit and watch a little bit of soccer together, watch some Bundesliga. So he, he enjoyed that a little bit. He likes to see the guys move across. I, I don't have a problem with empty stadiums. I, again, I don't think I think if it's you know something you're intently watching and you have the sound turned all the way up and like you used to and you got a surround sound system put in your man cave just for live sports and all of a sudden, you know, you're getting that without any sort of crowd noise. Yeah. I think that can sort of be a, a little off-putting, but I'll be honest, I'm not. This is one of those beggars can't be choosers things. I'm fine with it. Whatever live sports you want to put on TV right now, I'm pretty much in. Um, so, so go ahead and show it to me. And I really think that, you know, we're gonna start seeing 
this exact thing throughout the United States and throughout the world, which is sports are going to be played. Um, they're going to get back into 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 gear here, and I would say probably within the next you know two or three months, you're going to see everybody sort of spool up and and, and get back to playing. But there aren't going to be fans in these stadiums for for quite a while, at least. Uh, you know, it seems like at least this calendar year probably seems pretty accurate, and then you know possibly into some into 2021 as well. So, having said all that, it, it's something you're just going to get used to. And by the way, you're really going to appreciate it whenever fans can safely be back in stadiums again. I mean, that's that's really what this is going to come out to. I'm not so sure anymore. It's going to be into 2021 because things are evolving pretty quickly, and we'll go over that in a minute. Just just in Gavin Newsom's statements over the last week. But um, I do think that, you know, the, the commissioners talked about, Don Garbers talked about how he sees MLS, and I, I think it was somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but but also somewhat accurate that it's going to be a studio show. You know, we're going to have the studio games. And and some of the MLS games, if it's from Disney's, uh, from the ESPN Wild World of Sports, that's like a big AYSO complex. You know, the teams will come on and they'll say, San Jose Earthquakes, you guys are on field 12. And um, so I, it's not going to be the sound bumping around an, an empty stadium and ricocheting out. Right. But I do think, given the, the the way Americans consume sports that you know on TV, not that other countries don't, but it's a little bit different here. And, and the fact that we've seen Korean baseball, if you've watched any of that, that's also very strange in that there's no ambient sound at all. Um, and then the Bundesliga example, I do think when when televised sports comes back to the u.s i do think now nascar was different because the cars make the sound you can't hear the fans anyways i do think there's going to be some attempt at putting some sort of canned ambient sound in there it just i just don't know that uh, uh, you know what's a, a wide swath of american public is is going to want to see their you know hear echoes when they're watching the games by the way i do want to say too so you're watching bundesliga soccer with your kid um this will date me a little bit but it also i, I think people should vote between you and me for parent of the year. So you're watching Bundesliga soccer with your kid. When my son came home from the hospital, the first show that we watched together was Beavis and Butthead. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. What was the better choice? Bundesliga yeah. or Beavis and Butthead? Yeah, I was, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe you win. I don't know. Maybe maybe you your parenting style just isn't isn't up to date with, you know, what's supposed to... I, you know, basically, if you show your kid any television at all right now, you're basically condemning them to a life of, uh, of, uh, of C-plus uh, grades and... Uh, you know, horrible things. Apparently, that's what I constantly hear. But um, he, you know, he likes he likes seeing things move around quickly. So you know, we'll, we'll allow it for now. Um, <laughs> let's get to uh, a little bit of LA Galaxy. Uh, we always talk about you know where would the Galaxy have been right now if you go through it. Uh, currently up to date right now, Galaxy have missed quote unquote eleven games. Um, that's you know coming off of an El Trafico over last weekend, and we talked a bunch about that on Thursday, and certainly reminisced about that. Um, but this weekend coming up for a long weekend, so I know a lot of people were probably planning on making this trip as well. It would have been an away game uh, to Real Salt Lake on May 23rd. Um, so that is when the LA Galaxy would have traveled to Rio Tinto Stadium. The game would have been broadcast on uh, Univision. So there would have been a, a a fun little road trip going on on a long holiday weekend coming up. Uh, and instead, there's no games being played. Instead, the contemplation begins now, Kevin, about uh, whether or not you know teams can actually get back and and do stuff um, and whether or not MLS can sort of get this whole idea of Orlando and 26 teams going to Orlando. And again, as Kevin sort of touched on, as we touched on Thursday, the wide world of sports complex there right next to Walt Disney World at Disney Coronado Springs Resort, where they basically create a bubble. Um, and then all 26 teams and staff and and really the staff of the hotel as well would all be quarantined, quote unquote, inside this bubble for up to basically two months. Uh, it's about a month of training and then about a month of games. Um, it's not a physical bubble, by the way. It's, it's not the, the biosphere. It's not. Have you ever been in the biosphere? No, I've seen it. It's pretty uh, cool. I have and By been. the way, before you get too far away, so yeah. we're 13 games into the schedule as right. it was handed out. The Galaxy still sitting on one point, Chicharito without a goal, and David Bingham still leads the team in assists. There, I was going to say, there you go. Um, yeah, it, it is sort of a, a, a weird sort of thing to to put into mind that really there were two games that had played. It almost seems like it's an afterthought that those two games were played. There was a full preseason. Two games were played, and then everything shut down, um, 11 games. By the way, uh, Biosphere, it is kind of a cool thing to go to. Um, Did I say Chicharito has one goal? He has no goals. He I'm has sorry. no goals. He's, he no hasn't goals. scored. He hasn't scored at all. Remember, that was your whole thing. Yeah, meanwhile, back to the biosphere. It's okay. Polly Shore really did that that movie justice. That was that was all you really need to know about. But, but you know, I mean, this is kind of a, when you think about these quarantines. It's not a physical bubble, but it is kind of a biosphere kind of thing. No one in, no one out. 
you know, controlling uh, as much as possible what happens. Um, sort of grow your own food kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very well. I don't know. Maybe it could. Maybe they could just get some, you know, Chick Fil A or something like that uh, flown in uh, and and sanitized. Uh, so you far, you like fly over and drop it from a from a plane, a <laughs> yeah, parachute, a like the parachute. French Resistance. Yes, that's exactly that's exactly what needs to happen. So yeah, um, yeah. The the whole proposal there in Orlando is is one that I think we're sort of saying, you know, is fraught with all sorts of difficulties that you try to make this. You know, one is players leaving their their wives and their families um, for up to eight to ten weeks um, because their families can't come with them. Um, so that's one of those huge hurdles. The testing requirements, basically they say that people are going to be tested every other day. I would imagine that means tests get run every day and you have like an A group and a B group that constantly goes back and forth and back and forth. Um it's just, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of logistics, and it's basically for the chance to play, what is it, five or six games um, for each team, um, and with games being played, I think, almost every day, whenever you look at it, um, and just the scheduling, everything. It's just, it, it's an idea in order to get things going, and we're not even talking about the resumption of the season here, Kevin. This isn't about playing the schedule or doing stuff. This is about sort of like a mini tournament to just sort of get you know MLS back and actually playing soccer. Well, let's drill down on a couple of these things. First of all, the tournament hasn't been officially decided yet. First of all, um, nothing has been publicly said by anybody. I have talked to a number of league officials and they all run away from anything like on deep background. You didn't hear this from me, um, but they will in broad generalities answer questions. So if you, if you meaning me, are able to ask a question that is pointed enough, you may get an answer that leads you in the right direction. You kind of hit the highlights of it. There would be a thousand people, um, players and staff, very limited. They're talking about, and they might not even have a league uh, public relations person in the bubble. Um, so, and they would be tested a couple of times. I've heard two, maybe three times a week. The test would be purchased. So, if you're warning about um, Carlos Vela getting to use Nana's test, that's not going to happen. Yeah, MLS but, is going to buy those tests. But yes, they have to buy them from somewhere. But it's not what, like they're getting that's what I always say. Tests. Yeah, yeah. That's what I always say, though. Like, if you're even if you're buying tests, even if you're a private test, even if you're getting them from these, there's still there is a finite number of tests in the world. Period. And you're using those on a right, and and MLS is going to get hit for that, but they're they're doing their best to to sort of stay away from that. So the tournament is supposedly everybody plays five is going to play something like five games in a round robin format, and then teams will advance to a second round. Now, if you finish zero and five, they have to find a way for you to advance to the second round because except for the championship game and maybe the semifinals of that tournament. They want everybody playing an equal number of games. In other words, they don't want Real Salt Lake, for example, coming there, spending 10 weeks there, playing five games, and then staying inside the bubble to watch the rest of the tournament. Um, uh, everybody's going to play a close to equal amount of games. And then the idea is if they can find a way to make this work, that those games would then go on your on your schedule. So the Galaxy right now, they're 0-1-1. If they won five games, they would come out of the tournament 5-1-1 one and, one and, and seven games into the into their season. So there would be something that carried over into the season. Um, we'll talk about the, the negotiations between the league and the players' union, but a couple other than the money and other things that are – it's kind of a carrot and stick thing going on now – a couple of things the players are worried about. One is they don't want to be, they don't like the idea of being quarantined away from family and friends. And that's why you're hearing this thing about a very, very tight window for a preseason camp. By the way, June 1st was the target date. Now, now it's at least June 8th. It's been moved back to start this whole thing. They want to have as limited a preseason uh, training camp as possible. Why? Because they want to limit the time that you have to spend you know, in quarantine. So players are barking about that. And so that's one thing to be quarantined away from, from family and friends. Another real big uh, sticking point, and it's already started to cause problems in Syria ah, and Italy is what happens if a player tests positive, the players in the league in Italy said, well, that player would then be removed from the pool and he would be self-isolated and he's not part of the team anymore until he, until he clears his protocol. No, the government in, in in Italy, which remember got really hit hard by COVID nineteen, the government saying no. That whole team and coaching staff and everyone involved with that team, they are quarantined for fourteen days. And Syria is saying we can't do that because if you take a team out, then the team is scheduled to play the next two weeks. They don't have a game to play. And if two or three teams are out, all of a sudden we don't have a competition. And the government saying, well. That's the way the rules are. That's what we want it. And that's where MLS is. Players are asking. 
what happens if someone tests positive? What do we do in those cases? And, you know, Serie A doesn't have an answer. And my guess would be MLS, I do know, is talking to everybody. They're talking to MLB. They're talking to the Bundesliga. They're talking to the Premier League. That's why you see, you know, the idea that uh, MLS started with these individual workouts. They're doing those in Spain and Italy now. And they're going to start them, I think, in England tomorrow. So everyone's right. talking to everybody. But the big hangup is what happens if the player p- tests positive? And I don't think, I'm sure that it hasn't been decided yet. Well, one of the interesting things you talked about individual training is, um, you know, you're talking to the two people or, or the two sites, I should say, because uh, Larry Morgan certainly did the, the hard work on our side. But, Kevin, you um, you and Larry Morgan were the only people to talk to anybody on Thursday, which was the first official day of individual training. Uh, we talked on Thursday night how it was not publicized by the LA Galaxy. We told you it was sort of a, a tricky governmental just PR thing. Let's be honest. Uh, in the midst of a pandemic, sometimes people get a little angry about sports teams like training um, and doing things. And so I think until all the you know T's were crossed and the, and the I's were dotted, which they needed before they could even train anyway. Uh, but before everybody really sank in, the, the Galaxy sort of wanted to be on the down low on this. It certainly seemed that way. Uh, whenever you look at that, and I can understand that from a from a global perspective, and you know a, a local Southern California perspective of doing that. But today, uh, Kevin, they actually got the first publicized you know individual training. So on the Monday, as we're recording, uh, the Galaxy released photos. They released some B-roll footage of people training um, in this individual training, and they they released what I will call quote unquote interviews, uh, which is basically the LA Galaxy asking some players some questions. I think Sebastian Legette, Joe Corona. And Sasha question were that, but you got to talk to Sasha on Thursday. So I'd love to hear sort of what what you thought of uh, with Sasha question and, and sort of how that went. Well, I think a lot of it was somewhat predictable. I suppose he liked being around teammates. You know, they, they couldn't spend a lot of time with each other. They'd see each other from across the field. Just in case people haven't read the rules, the way it works is um, these workouts have to be on an outdoor field. Most players are training uh, up to an hour. They are limited to a quadrant of an outdoor field, one-fourth of an outdoor field. Now, the Galaxy, if you look at a team like LAFC who has one field at their complex, that means they can have four players train an hour. Um, you look at the Galaxy with all the practice fields they have, they had, they had, I think, might have had 16 guys going an hour because they had four fields with four players on a field. Um, so they're, they're limited to a quadrant of the field. What they can do basically in that quadrant, they can do a lot of sprinting. They can do some agility work. Uh, with and without the ball, you know, moving around cones and objects. I think it was Sporting Kansas City that actually had little walls out there where they yep. were able to kick the ball off the wall, which is really good training. Not so much the kicking part, but receiving the ball back and, and working on your first touch. So they do sprinting. They do some agility work. They do a little bit of ball work. They're, they're limited to what they can do. They can't pass to another player. There's no interaction between players. You can't go into the facility. You can't use the restroom, the locker room, the showers, the gym, any of that stuff. You need to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. When you're not on the field, in the parking lot, everything else. So um, what, what Sasha said, it was, it was great to see the stadium, even though they saw Dignity Health Sports Park from the outside. It was great to see the stadium. It was great to be on the field with cleats, on a good field, you know, a, a professionally maintained field, not the field down at the local park. Right. And it was just good to, to, to you know, tease each other and to be around each other again. Um, you know, the players I talked to said, look, this workout's not going to get us to the World Cup, what we're doing on the field. But we're getting out there, we're sweating a little bit. And we're it's it's that first tentative, you know, it's for that first foot in the, uh, uh, dipping the toe in the water kind of thing to get back. Um, you know, he said it felt good. It felt good to be around the guys. Um, to touch a ball again, um, but it, it was it was just the start. And one of the things that Sasha is part of the union uh, negotiating team, and he, he wouldn't talk much about the uh, talks that are going on, but he did say, you know, look, perfect in a perfect world, we'd have eight weeks to get ready for this. He goes, we don't have eight weeks. We have to we have to realize we're not in a perfect world, and we're going to have to start to make concessions. And I think he was speaking for both sides when he said that. Yeah, I mean, it all makes sense. Um... You know, it's interesting to see uh, with the photos released from the LA Galaxy, just sort of like, you know, again, I think I've talked pretty freely and openly about my weight gain during this uh, quarantine. I, my, my weight is directly proportional to the distance between me and my refrigerator. Um, so whenever I go to work, my name, my name is Panda. How's that, <laughs> how's that make me look? <laughs> I was going to say, you know, it's like the more I go to work and the further away from the refrigerator I am, usually the better I am. Uh, also, the fact that my gym's basically uh, not basically, but is closed. Um, I haven't rode and, you know, since quarantine basically shut it down and probably a couple weeks before because I already knew it was sort of heading in that direction. 
um, and didn't want to put anything at risk. So I haven't done that. So I'm out of shape. So it was interesting to see, though, professional athletes and uh, in a group chat of, of people we were sort of talking about. And I was saying, man, I go, it's tough. I mean, you look at it, it was it was one of those things that we joked about. We had Rolf Felcher on the show, uh, Kevin, and Rolf says that, you know, he loses weight whenever he goes on holiday because, you know, it's only whenever he's training and, and working out and uh, during the season that he gains weight because, you know, he can't be as careful with his diet as he wants. And, you know, he has to put in the calories to sort of recover from all these things. And so it actually degrades his physique to play during the year, which makes sense. He's breaking his body down. But Rolf also looks like, you know, he's got 27 abs um, and he always has his shirt off. So, I mean, well, there's that, a connection between those two things. By the way. <laughs> yeah, if I had 27 abs, I'd, I'd never wear a shirt either. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I have one ab, so I'm, I'm getting there. I'm just 26 short. Uh, but no, whenever you look at, at that, so you see that. But I mean, there are going to be guys who are just don't. I mean, like I am not a person who does well individually, Kevin. You, you like the personal responsibility. Um, I always do better whenever one I'm tricked into working out, which is mean usually means playing sports or doing something in a group atmosphere or having somebody yell at me. Um, if somebody's not yelling at me and somebody's not telling me to go work out and I don't have a class that I already signed up for, and if I don't show up, they charge me twenty dollars. Like all this stuff makes me work out. Uh, there are players that are like that too. And so some players will be able to be really focused and really figure it out and they'll be able to train really hard and they'll come back in, you know, pretty good shape. They're just missing sort of that game shape. And then there's going to be other players who who slide, who who lose some of their fitness because they just, they can't go as intense. Um, it's just not in their personality. And, you know, people can question and all that. But, I, you know, I always ask, did you get up, you know, last night and go get, you know, that other soda or have that extra cookie? Um, that's literally where these guys are, you know, sort of on the borderline of, of being, um, you know, professional athletes is that you're never off. Um, you're always on. I remember uh, I was at an event, uh, what, probably in 2011 maybe? Um, and I remember uh, talking to Landon Donovan. And somebody asked him why he wasn't drinking a beer. He goes, I could have a beer. He goes, that's not a problem. He goes, but everybody here would see me drink a beer. And then if I had a bad game this weekend, everybody would be like, oh, well, Landon drinks beer. So that's why, you know, it's like it's one of those things, too. So there's all this pressure on these guys to sort of do it. So you did get to see some pictures, Kevin, of guys coming back. And for the most part, I have to say, everybody looks like they're in pretty good shape. Um, Except. Uh, well, I don't know. See, this is where you, you just looking at it. Was it a was it an unflattering? photo kevin was of, it of, of chicharito yeah. it was it an unflattering thick he looked a little thick in the middle <laughs> His, and this is the panda talking so you know <laughs> you're not even allowed to say that i was gonna say no i know. know i know i know it's just a, like uh louis anderson looks good compared <laughs> to me no so. but but it, it's just it's just it, it's just interesting to sort of see that and so i think you're going to see that some guys and I, I remember you were talking and you said that you know you had gone to or you had talked to uh, to bob bradley right about training and he said he wanted to see which guys came back in shape and which guys weren't it's it's the same in the off season sometimes guys come back in shape and sometimes they don't and you basically just had an off season uh, for these eight weeks that uh, basically everybody was away for two months and so it's going to be interesting to see who came in in out of shape who came in in shape and how much these individual trainings in front of coaches because they're there and they're able to observe um, you know gets these guys back in shape I well, mean well, there, there's some he, of that here's I think a bigger part of it in talking to some players and and some fitness uh, directors for the teams it's mental at, at this point it's more mental than physical the idea going into this break was at, uh, the fitness people just wanted the players to maintain a foundation a base they weren't looking for anyone to improve they didn't want them to uh, to get too out of shape um, and I remember talking to players in the very beginning and remember the season uh, was suspended March 12th. So talking to people at the end of March, uh, I talked to Sasha, um, talked to Jordan Harvey from LAFC and I talked to some fitness people. And at that time, the players were like, yeah, yeah, I'm working out three times a day and I'm out, I'm, you know, I'm out there. Cause remember at that time, the, the, the training moratorium was, was like, it was being uh, pushed back a week each time. So there was that that threat or that feeling that we were going to restart at any time, at least with training, maybe not games, but we were going to restart with training. And I think players really saw the light at the end of the tunnel and they were working out very hard. And I did talk to guys working out two and three times a day. Then all of a sudden it was like, okay, now we're going to extend the moratorium a month. And now Gavin Newsom saying no sports at all until November. And now, you know, all the leagues around the world are suspended. And now, and then last month in April, France says no more soccer this year um, or this season. I, I think at that point, a lot of players were like, uh, you know, turn the, turning the alarm off and rolling over and going back to bed. And they just didn't feel 
the need. It was very hard. It's very hard to get up there and work out like you're going to go play in a game when you may not play in a game for months. And right. I think it tested a lot of guys mentally. And and I'm not saying any of them were weak. I just think it's very hard to do that without yes. a goal. And you saw some guys who have families and, you know, Chicharito has a has a young kid now. And you know how that is. And, and his so wife sure and de- his wife's pregnant as well. So, I mean, you know, yeah. they have to they're dealing with it. Listen, I again, I gained like 25 pounds. I get it 100 percent. Um, so it's not a criticism, but these guys, it is about coming back and, and being in shape. Well, and now, now comes the test because now there is uh, a target in front and you know, these guys are, they're not like boxers. They can't shed 10 pounds overnight, <laughs> but I do think most of these guys are young enough and are, uh, you know, in, they play soccer year round. They never really get too far out of shape. I would expect anyone who is out of shape. And again, it could be a very bad picture of Chicharito. He could be totally cut. He just wasn't raw and didn't take his shirt off. Um, <laughs> the guys that maybe did come back and were a little winded after their first workout or two, I think they're going to get it back pretty quickly, yeah. you know, a couple of weeks at most. And they probably have that. And the other thing is now the guys that they're doing one hour a week at Dignity or one hour a day at Dignity Health Sports Park. I bet you those guys who feel like they need the extra workout, they're back to doing two or three times a day. By now, everybody has their weight equipment. Everyone has their stationary bike. Everybody has the things they may not have had at the beginning. So there are no excuses at this point. And I think these guys are smart enough to realize, hey, I was out at the training facility today and Rolf looked great and Pavone looked great and I didn't look so great. I got to catch up. And I think I don't think it'll be a problem by the time they get to Orlando. No, it seems like if 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 anybody goes to Orlando, it certainly seems that it's heading in that Let's direction. go to Disney World. <laughs> That's why not? Why not? Um, no, I heard there are a bunch of people who are never going to Disneyland again because Disneyland or Disney World because they're going to make more a mess. So, you know, that's good times. Uh, anyway, let's go to uh, a little California news now. Um, we've been talking oh, about... Wait a minute. Yeah, before, we, before we get away from Cal, uh, from Orlando, yes. we're going to go back to this. Um, one la- So let me just bring everybody up to date to where what we know at 7.43 on Monday night is that um, the negotiations are still ongoing about the Orlando plan, which we talked about. So where are the negotiations? Well, M- ML, MLS, the league, Don Garber, the commissioner... They wanted the players to take a pay cut. They were talking about 50% across the board. And, right. and what they were talking about with that was the payroll, the entire league payroll is somewhere, according to ESPN, um, uh, FC, and Jeff Carlisle, the payroll is somewhere around $310 million. Right. And MLS wanted to get that down to $150 million. They're losing money hand over fist. Don Garber already took a 25% pay cut. He did that last month. So they want to get that down to about $150 million. Um, and they went to the players' Uh, union last week with a proposal to do that. The players union came back this weekend uh, with a proposal saying, no, 150 million is too much. It's a bridge too far. They're offering about 103 million in pay cuts. So they're offering to cut the salaries about a third um, and, but only giving MLS about, you know, two thirds of what it wants. Um, They're also, uh, the owners are talking about not ratifying the collective bargaining agreement, which was agreed to in January and just continuing to play under the old one that hurts the players in some different ways, as far as a uh, free agency and some other things that that may not be the showstopper. The salary is the point I'm trying to make is there's negotiations going on. And now we have parameters before it was all nebulous. Now we know the, the owners are at 150, the players are at hundred million as far as the pay cut. So there's some room to negotiate. So they're talking about the financial terms. That's both the carrot and the stick. MLS is saying, we will give you some relief on salary if you come to Orlando. And that's and so when the players are talking about, well, what happens if a player tests positive? How how can we have to be in quarantine for all this time? I think MLS is responding by saying, look, you want the money? You got to you gotta come. If you don't come, you're not going to get the money, and maybe we have to cut salaries even further. So my, the point is, the reason I think that maybe things are moving a little closer to Orlando, where I didn't feel this way last week, is because now – there are numbers on the table and the two sides are beginning to come closer right. and closer. And as Sasha said, everybody needs to compromise a little bit. I think that uh, the possibility is there. My understanding is still a substantial number of players are opposed to the Orlando idea because a, they don't like to quarantine and they, they don't feel that they're going to be safe. But I think that number is dwindling. I think maybe it's gone from half to maybe now 40% of the players are in disagreement. So right. you're starting to see some movement. 
Yeah, it, it has to sort of wiggle in those directions. I mean, you know, talking to some players and just sort of getting where their minds are at, you know, it was it was split pretty down the middle. Um, but, you know, understanding that the players understand that, you know, by going to Orlando, does that mean that the CBA will continue? And, and by the way, I think the players are perfectly fine right now in terms of this season operating under the 2020 CBA and just having the 2021 CBA be the first year of the new CBA whenever it's ratified and all that. I mean, you know, the players haven't ratified it and the uh, and the owners haven't ratified it, mostly because the details aren't haven't been figured out, Kevin. Um, you know, it was sort of you, you reach a general understanding in terms of these are the main points. This is all the stuff. And we have to sort of iron out the details in the spirit of those points. And that takes time. Um, so no ratification has happened. So technically, the CBA hasn't been, um, you know, ratified or put in place. So putting it, moving it to 2021 and the players are like, yeah, we can do we can do that. And this was some of the stuff that sort of came out, um, you know, last week, which, which which was, yeah, we can move it. But what we want to do is we want to move 2020 to 2021 and 2021 to 2022. And basically, we want to end it in 2024. Um, whenever, you know, it would have come up anyway. So it would only be a four-year CBA. Um, and now what you're seeing is, you know, obviously the owner's pressing back and saying, no, why don't we just extend it to 2025 and just have the five-year CBA as it goes? And again, these seem like small things, but there's some real financial implications to those things. Yeah, and that has got to be seen as a concession on the player's part um, to, to allow MLS to move that back because they're they're costing themselves money. I mean, there's there's whole things with the, the salary cap going up and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So if the players give in on that, then the, the the owners have to give in somewhere else. Another thing too that I don't I don't hear a lot about, but it would make a lot of sense to me if the owners started to press this a little bit more as part of the stick side of the negotiations is there are guys in the league like Jordan Harvey for LAFC is 36, Sasha's 33, a lot of guys at the end of their careers. If they don't play this year, that could be it. That, you know, right. those guys can never be on a field again. Is this the way they want to go out? Absolutely not. Would they want to go out in a tournament at Disney World? Probably not, but it's better <laughs> than it's better than nothing, right? I mean, right. at least they have a uniform on to take off after that last game. So the idea of that they're losing their what could be their last season, that's on the back end. On the front end, you have guys like Pavone in the prime of his career playing great at 26. You have, you know, a Diego Rossi or some of these younger players that are playing, uh, you know, Barco and people like that. They're playing so well as young players. They've played year around their whole life. Uh, it's, it, soccer is one thing that when you're used to other sports where there's a you know a season and an off season and guys get in shape and out of shape and they have to have two weeks or two months rather of spring training just to learn to throw a ball again, you don't understand that in soccer you play year round. This is probably I would guess for 99% of the players in MLS this is the longest they have gone in their lives without playing a game, um, you know and so. A guy at 21 or 22, like a Rossi or a, or a Blanc or a you know, Barco, people like that, th- this is a really bad thing for them at this point in their career. They need to get out there and play. Now, they're not going to play a full season and their stats aren't going to look great, but they still have a chance to play in front of some European scouts and work on their game and get better. And, uh, you know, the rust that's gathering. It, you know, maybe three months, it's going to take a year to shake that off. If it's six months, it's going to take two years to shake that off. So I would expect to start to see the owners, perhaps in closed sessions, start to talk about, look, you guys, you know, we're 60-year-old oil refinery owners. We don't have to worry about this, but you guys do. You're right. losing every month that you lose is going to hurt your career. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, and that's where like you're talking about guys like at different places within their lives and different places doing different things. You know, I was talking to one player who is actively seeking, you know, a contract extension during this. Um, and it's sort of like, OK, yeah, I mean, you know, just because soccer is stopped doesn't mean that things the, the, the year and the contracts are going to be the same, Kevin. It, if, if MLS doesn't play a single game this year, there will be contracts that expire at the end of this year, regardless of that stuff. Yeah, they're tied to the calendar. They're not tied to number of games or seasons or anything. You know, you're going to have players in Europe whose contracts that theoretically will expire before their seasons resume. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so it's a really big sort of thing to wrap your head around. And so, you, you know, you're seeing some guys who are like, yeah, I want to get back out there. I want to play. And, you know, if that means that the CBA gets moved forward, if that means that, you know, things happen, then then I want to make sure we want to try to get the owners to lock that stuff in. Uh, and then there's guys who are like, listen, I'd love to get back there and do it. But tell me about how this is feasible tell me how you can do it it's safe um you know you have guys who are making millions of dollars too on the high end going i don't need to play a game 
right now. Or you have guys who are making millions of dollars being like, yeah, this is what I do. I want to get back out there. You know, I'm not I'm not worried. I feel like MLS is going to be safe for the whole deal. Um, so it, it's just it's so mixed. And all of those reasons and everybody talking, they're all valid, Kevin. This isn't a thing where somebody's right or wrong. I can't tell a player what to feel or think. And and quite honestly, the players who want to get back out and playing, I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. You want to get out there and play. This is what you do. This is your job. And this is what you want to do. And there's a whole bunch of reasons that you have for it. And the guys who are like, listen, I don't want to go. I'm worried about my girlfriend. I'm worried about my wife. I'm worried, worried about my kids if I go and I'm quarantined and I'm gone. Um, so all of these things are, are perfectly valid. And you could end up seeing... Kevin, a very split player core. I mean, say it's 70-30 that they want to go play. That's still 30% of the players that don't want to play. And well, what happens? You, you've hit on a really big point that I that was just thinking about. The Galaxy have a very good dressing room this year, from what I could tell. It, it, it's too early to really say that, I suppose, to be fair. It, it was building that way. It seemed to be much better uh, this year than it was the last couple of years, uh, you know, for a number of different reasons. But they were having a real esprit de corps. They were getting along. Everything was going in the right direction. And now you have the situation where a guy like, say, Insua, who, you know, sacrificed a lot to come to MLS, you know, mm-hmm. left Europe, came back here. He needs to make this work out. This has to turn out to be a good move in his career. Uh, and there are some other young players you know, that are on their way up. They need this season. Um, they need to get out there and prove themselves. They're, they knew that this would be an important year and they're in shape and they want to seize it. And then you have guys like, I'll just say Chicharito. Here's a guy with a young family. He's made his money. He's made his millions. He probably won't really have to work for the rest of his life. Uh, he's got a, a young wife uh, who's pregnant with second child. Um, he may look at this and say, you know what? This is a headache I really don't need. I don't need to be quarantined. I don't need to put my health at risk. At this point in my life, everything's going great. I don't want to do this. And how does that affect the dressing room? The guys who need this have to look to Chitorito and say, look, there's no season without you, man. I, I gambled everything. I need you to be out there. And Chitorito's looking and saying, man, I'm sorry. It's just not worth it to me. And does that happen to those conversations? Those conversations will never be that black and white. But does that kind of stuff happen? Do, do the Chicharitos hold up an agreement or do they show up and not really try? I mean, I, I'm projecting a lot here. I'm not saying Chicharito would ever do that. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm just saying the, the possibilities of these kind of discussions um, are, are, are this kind of stuff. And maybe I shouldn't have even used Chicharito, use somebody from a, another team. Did, would that kind of stuff happen? Would would some players say, look, it's just not worth it to me. I'll come. I'll put the jersey on. I'll hang out with you guys. But you know what? I'm not going to bust my butt because I, I there's too much. I risked losing too much. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, the perfect sort of. We'll see. I mean, there's there's even it's like every player's individual. I mean, that's why Chicharito could be one of those guys who's saying we need to get out there and play. You know, I came here to MLS to prove that I want to play and I want to play. You're right. and, he, he may be on the exact up. He may be the guy saying, you know what? And so I need you out here because I I came from Spain and I need to prove this. You're right. It could be the other way around. My point is. I think there are going to be players divided over what what yes. they're here trying to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, and and all this. I mean, you could even say, you know, Sasha Kleshin. You said, well, you know, this may be his last year, so maybe he's one of the guys who's really push, pushing because it also could be that Sasha Kleshin is like, this is my last year. I don't need to risk anybody's safety in order to do that. And you know what? I had a good run, and and that's it. I mean, that's literally you could argue these all all sorts of different ways. Um, By the way, he says it's not his last year. Just to, I, I would. He seems like the kind of guy who's not ready to go just yeah, quite Yeah, they're going to have to tear the uniform off him. I understand that. It, it makes some sense. So uh, anyway, it's just it, it, there's a whole bunch of issues here. And that's why, you know, a vote um, eventually, I would imagine, if there's a proposal that seems acceptable to everybody on negotiating committees and with uh, Major League Soccer and the owners on the other side, eventually a vote comes down. And how split and splintered that vote is is going to be. Um, you know, it's going to be something to talk about. I mean, if this passes 51% to, you know, 49% and everybody's got, you're, you're going to understand that you have a bunch of guys who are in Orlando who probably aren't, don't want to be there. Um, and also there may be some guys who don't show up. I mean, that's always a possibility as well that people just flat out refuse to sort of work. Um, thinking that things are unsafe or, and, you know, they want to try to protect, um, you know, their family. So this is all interesting, evolving, rapidly changing things. And nothing is more rapidly changing, Kevin, than uh, Governor Gavin Newsom's uh, course and orders in terms of pro Ooh, sports. Good segue. Thank That's you. Segue. That's why they pay me yeah. the big bucks there, Kevin. <laughs> um, this, is, this was something you and I, and I called you whenever I saw this actually happen. And we were talking a little bit about it, and it was uh, it was it was one of those things that you and I have been basically saying, 
you know, hey, California's locked up tight. There's a reason that MLS wants to get teams out of certain states and into Orlando, which is open for business. We talked about Dallas and Texas um, and, you know, Kansas City as a places that are open for business and places that would be, you know, amenable to having these tournaments or having teams all in one spot and sort of being quarantined and why California, despite all of the soccer fields they have, is not one of those places. Um, and the biggest reason really was um, with the number of cases in California and uh, the leadership of Governor Gavin Newsom uh, has really, you know, been more strict and stringent than some other places. And that's just those are those are facts um, in terms of how that has sort of played out. Yeah, whether you like that or not, and I know that's a, there's a debate about that. If you look at the numbers, you know, Gavin Newsom was the first one to close the state down. It's the most populous state in the country, and it's had when you look at the percentages, it's 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 actually done pretty well. Now you can debate whether that is the weather or what a million different things. But the fact is, California has weathered this storm about as well as it probably could have. Um, and it was the first state to close down. Are those two things related? I don't know. But anyway, go on. It is starting to open up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and it is. And so we talked about stage two reopening different things. Now, what we had heard really was that stage three was um, going to be pro sports without fans and basically nobody expected stage three to happen until possibly you know september um maybe end of august maybe possibly you know august september october somewhere in there um but gavin newsom uh and i think kevin you track this about a week after he said pro sports was not going to happen anytime soon in california um came back and today says um and uh i will say i will quote this from an la times article that you did not write um newsom speaking at a news conference in sacramento said that pro sports in the the first week or so of June without spectators and modifications can begin to move forward. You're talking about June 1st, which is right around the corner, which is in the same time frame that MLS wants to move everybody to Orlando. That's how quickly this could possibly happen. But he's given the basic green light to baseball teams, uh, basketball teams, NFL, hockey, um, and in this particular case, Major League Soccer as well, um, to have pro sports in the state um, without spectators, which is sort of what we expected from the first first sort of step. Now, well, Kevin, yeah, I was go ahead. I'll, I'll let you talk about. Yeah, the devil is in the details because a, a week ago, exactly a week ago, Major League Baseball apparently went to different states with teams, and we have five baseball teams here, Major League Baseball teams, and they asked Governor Newsom about that. Uh, it's saying we would like to start our season in July. You have five teams here. We want them to play at home. Can we do that? And he said, "We'll see where we will be in July." Uh, the the Public Health Commissioner, or the, or actually, I guess the, the County Board of Supervisors guy in Santa Clara County where the earthquakes play. By the way, the earthquakes, one of seven teams have not been cleared to begin individual workouts in the state of California. Right. Um, they, his, the, the Santa Clara County Commissioner said that he didn't see professional sports or, or sports of any kind, college football or anything, in stadiums until November. Right. Even in empty stadiums. Now, so now that was a while is, ago. That was right. I mean, this that, is changing yeah. rapidly. But remember when when this started, it was four phases, right? That we were going to stage one, stage two. Stage one wasn't supposed to happen unless we had fourteen consecutive days of declining cases. We haven't even had, I don't think, a week of declining cases in California. There's always been one day where it kind of knocks things out, and we have to go back to the start. So a lot of this, these rules are being softened a little bit. Uh, I thought it was interesting that that uh, Texas Governor Mark Abbott came out. Minutes after after Gavin Newsom said June first, he said May thirty first in Texas, and <laughs> yeah. and and Ron DeSantis in Florida has already said professional sports are welcome back. He's declared professional sports and athletes to be uh, essential workers in Florida. So there is a little bit of a battle going on, and and make no mistake, there's a lot of money and prestige involved if you can pull this off. But when you go back and look at what Gavin Newsom talked about, I believe he has talked about opening. Uh, 53 of the 58 counties in California, the counties that probably, well, I don't know that he's named all of them, but the counties not on the initial list are the ones with the professional sports teams, Sacramento County, uh, you know, uh, Oakland, Alameda County, Santa Clara County, San Diego, LA. Those are the, the counties that were not on the list that I saw. Those were the professional sports teams. So yeah, Gavin Newsom can say, sure, sports can come back, in, in Modoc County and Lassen County, there's no one there. It's <laughs> right. the same thing in New York. Governor Cuomo said he's opening up the state of New York. And one of the things he said today was another state where they said, yes, professional sports can come back. He's not talking about the Yankees and the Mets. He's talking about, you know, the Buffalo Bills playing up in Buffalo. Right. Um, you know, and the, the two MLS teams in that market, the Red Bulls and, and New York City FC, they have not been, there's seven teams that haven't been able to train. Those are two of them. So 
you know, you can talk about opening these these states to professional sports. But again, if you're talking about Lassen County, I don't think the 49ers are going to play there. Yeah, it, well, I mean, but here's the other flip side of that is Gavin Newsom knows very well what he's saying when he's saying it. Um, so he's putting pressure basically on those counties uh, to allow pro sports without spectators. And when you look at the overall risk of what you're trying to do and with the safety features and different measures and all the restrictions and everything that they're putting in place, even for these individual trainings, um, you know, moving that to eventually full training and, and eventually having games, um, there's a reasonable understanding that you can do this with a lowered risk. I'm not going to say it's no risk because it's not. Um, you know, walking outside your door was never a low risk pro- uh, prospect. Uh, it's still not that way. And it's even a little more dangerous now with, with COVID-19 out there. Um, but the bottom line, is that you know pro sports without fans and really the fans part was the big sort of multiplier on all of this and you know certainly out of Italy you talked about uh, they there was always the articles about a, uh, a soccer team I forget who was playing who but there were 40,000 people at the stadium and they called that a multiplier effect which basically you know got a whole people infected um, without the fans this is a different sort of you know, discussion than whenever you try to put fans back in stadiums. Um, so having understood that and, and looking at that, I mean, Newsom knows that, you know, the county of Los Angeles is going to get pressure now uh, with all of their professional sports teams within the county of L.A. Uh, to, to open back up. So there had to have been some talk at some point with those counties and in coordination because otherwise Newsom says something and then basically the, he's going to make the county people the bad guys and he's sort of been fighting that particular battle recently with beach closures and everything else and and getting hammered by different cities and different counties uh, throughout so it wouldn't make sense to then make them the bad guys in this although maybe that is the political advantage that you're looking at and you know everything's politics whenever whenever you're looking but he knows what he's saying Kevin well, yeah, and you and and you're right. And what this does do is he can feel he's seen the protest. You know, there was one county where uh, people just said, "Screw it, we're opening up." And then, uh, you know, what's he going to do? Send the National Guard in? Um, that doesn't look really good. So, the governor's aware that people are tired of that, that they have cabin fever, that they have this quarantine fatigue, and that they want to get beyond this. It, this is a little bit he didn't give that I saw, and and you have the article in front of you. He didn't give any specific things of saying like. You know, the Oakland Athletics will be able to open their season on June 15th and then when they welcome the Boston Red Sox. He didn't say that. It was very vague. It kind of holds out the possibility that there might be an ending to this thing, that, that we're heading in the right direction. And that's probably a good message. Now, specifically to what we're talking about, MLS, I still think the Orlando model is what they are looking for. Why? Yeah. yeah. A couple of reasons. One is travel. We have 17 states as we've uh, had gone over ad nauseum on this show, 17 states, the district of Columbia and three Canadian provinces, all operating under different rules. So Gavin Newsom can open it up, but if the governor of Illinois does not open his state up, we can't have games involving the Chicago fire. Um, and we can't even have training involving the Chicago fire. So the idea of, of everybody going to one place now, if Disney and the Disney empire, which is ABC and ESPN, if they're on board, I'm sure the hotel is very cheap and the, the production for the games will be handled by ESPN. Right. I, I, um, have, I have more on this, by the way, I have more on, uh, okay. on Coronado Springs. So whenever we get done, I have something to okay. add to Disney. So by my wife, uh, m- by the way, my wife is from Florida and says that's the worst of all the Disney resorts. This is probably why they're, they're uh, making everybody go there. But the idea of rather than, let's say you look at uh, the galaxy, if they had to go to on, you know, three different road trips under this quarantine matter, they'd have to charter planes to all those trips. MLS would have to pay for those charters. Every other team would have to fly charter. No one's getting on a commercial flight. You fly one charter to Orlando, one charter home, and maybe when they get back in August, we can have uh, fans again. I'm told, and I did not try to verify this, but I've been told by somebody that I believe that if an MLS team were to have a game in an empty stadium, they would lose money. Um, Just the cost of opening the stadium, turning on the lights, and there's no live gate and no souvenirs and no concessions, that they would lose money. I believe that. I don't know how much they'd lose. I don't know if it's a significant amount, but the idea of having all the games at the ESPN complex where uh, all the teams are playing on the same day, so whatever game-related costs there are, it's shared league-wide. ESPN probably uh, underwrites a lot of that. Disney probably underwrites the hotels and some other things. So having everybody in one site not only is easier, but it's probably a lot more cost-effective. And then they hold out, again, we're talking about carrots and sticks, they hold out the carrot of, look, we're going to play five-game tournament, we're going to have a championship, we're going to come home. By August, hopefully everything is open, and then we play home games. 
the question is, if it's not open in August, you can't do this again. You can't make them stay in Orlando at that point. Then probably the season is over. But, uh, you know, they're going to look at get Gavin Newsom and say last week he said no games until July. Now he's talking about June 1st. This is heading in a good direction for us. Let's go to Orlando. Let's get ready. And we'll come back in August and do this thing right. Yeah. So what do you know about the Coronado? I hear it's a terrible place. Well, I did, the only the, the real stuff is and, and being a listen, uh, I, I apparently have too much time on my hands being a Disney aficionado to some level and some degree i am following what's going on with the theme parks um and how that's going listen you know uh disney basically there's downtown disney in anaheim uh which is the part which is the shops and everything that leads up to disneyland and then there's uh, i think uh disney Radi. it's not disney something springs disney springs i think is what it is in at walt disney world on a much different scale at a different level but it's basically shops and all sorts of stuff and that that is already starting to be open back up um and there are plans for uh, Walt Disney World to open back up as well. So you're talking. Yeah, they're, they're taking reservations for July, starting with July 1st, all the Disney hotels, and they expect to open. The, the governor there is waiting for a proposal from the theme parks. They expect to open July 1st. It is. And so basically what that means, though, Kevin, is if you're planning on opening July 1st and if you're having, um, you know, games basically starting on July 1st, which is what the whole idea is, is that you train for a month basically in June and then. You'd play your five games plus the championships and whatever the consolation games um, going on uh, throughout July, which means that you're going to be there at a time when they're starting to increase um, the total number of people in that area as well. And so how how strictly can you make this a bubble um, whenever there's going to be people around all the time? Um, so it's it's starting to be not this you know isolated great place all, all the time when you're inviting people from all over the world basically um, at least all over the United States to come to you know Disney World and be not that far away from these particular facilities. Yeah, and and well, and that's another thing too is people are looking at at Florida and. You know, Rick DeSantis, Ron DeSantis was uh, one of the last governors to shut down parts of the state, one of the first to open them. He never did close the beaches, by the way. Yes, beaches were closed, but they were closed by the local jurisdiction, not by the governor. Um, he's done a lot of sort of Mickey Mouse things with some of the, the numbers, with testing and all that. But even even with all that, um, Florida is ninth in the country in total number of, of positive tests, and I think they're 11th in total number of deaths. And uh, in some counties, especially in the southern part of the state, those numbers are going up right now. They're not going down. So there is that fear that you – and remember, this is a there's a two-week two incubation with this uh, uh, coronavirus. So you could look at the numbers right now and say, yeah, that's pretty good. That's for a state that big. That's not that bad. When the teams actually land in Florida, it could be a totally different picture. And as you said, with people coming into Disney World, people that go to Disney World do not come from Sarasota and Jacksonville. They come from Atlanta and and uh, Seattle and and uh, Taiwan. And you're gonna have all these people coming through the airport that the teams would, would be using, and and uh, it, it it could be a mess. It's probably if you had to pick a place, it's probably a good, pretty good place to pick because of a lot of different reasons. You mentioned the other day you thought perhaps the virus doesn't do as well in warm climates. Well, you know, Brazil is one of the top five countries in the world in terms of cases. And they've, you know, 116 nurses I read today have died in Brazil. It's pretty hot in Brazil. It, it so can be. I, yeah, I don't think COVID, it, Manaus has had a big problem. Manaus is right on the edge of the Amazon. I've actually been there and it's it's hot. Um, so, uh, so uh, you know, you can't just look at that and say, no. well, Florida is a good place because of the heat. All things considered, you get a resort, you can be quarantined there, you got the fields, the weather is going to be pretty good probably, uh, although it's supposed to be the worst hurricane season in a, a long time and that starts June 1st as well. There, there was um, there, already, I think they, did they get the name Storm? There was almost a name Storm off of uh, the coast of North Carolina that possibly could have been the first hurricane. I don't know if it made it today or not. It was towards the outer banks of North Carolina. I was, well, weather, you know, I watch stuff, so. Um, but yeah, they're expecting a busy hurricane season. That, that'd be fun. Nothing is going to be perfect. There is no perfect, and there is no such thing as perfection. All you can do is sort of lower the risk and, and, I see what they're doing with the Disney thing. I'm not a big Ron DeSantis fan, as you probably noticed, but um, he's the governor of that state, and that state looks to be the best place to go right now. If you're going to do this, 
it seems to be a pretty good plan. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm starting to soften my opposition to this thing. I, it is. Well, you know, there's something, and I think Sophie and I talked about this on Thursday. There is this hope that we're putting into it. And, you know, I, I would certainly say that I'm biased in this way that I want to see soccer played and I would like to see MLS soccer played and I'd like to see Galaxy soccer played. So I have something to talk about. And it's obviously something that I enjoy because, um, you know, I do this uh, out of the out of the goodness of my heart. Um, you have a heart? I Sometimes, every once in a while. Uh, mostly just on the weekends. Uh, during the week, not so much. Um, but yeah, it's. It, I want to see it happen, and so am I. Projecting that hope, um, you know, on this possibility of Orlando, or is this really just a really bad idea of putting all these people in high density, close together, um, you know, sort of area, and then you're asking for a disaster to happen? I, I don't know what the answer is. I certainly can argue it both ways, and I have been arguing it both ways, and I understand where the owners are coming from. I understand where the players are coming from. I understand. I can everybody's view right now on my my world is valid uh, whenever it comes to, you know, what they're trying to do to get things back up and running or not. Um, and so it's just it's a difficult thing to parse out and say that, oh, I, I think you almost have to put yourself in their shoes. Kevin, are, are you going to go to Florida if uh, if MLS kicks this off? I'm told I'm going to Florida, and and, <laughs> and here's here's the deal. I've actually had uh, uh, some conversations with the league official about this. And remember, no one's talking like this is happening. So it was all like one of those, if this were to happen. And and what I told them, he, he said that there were t- a possibility of the of journalists coming. Um, and he asked me what I thought about whether the journalists should be in the bubble or out of the bubble. And the way it would work is if you're in the bubble, then you're subject to all the rules and testing, and you can't go out and you can't do anything. So you're quarantined. You can't be around your family, which in my case is a good news for my family. Um, <laughs> but you can't be around the family and all that. Or you can have the freedom to go and do whatever you want. And then when you come to the games, you sort of have to stay in a little quarantined area, and and you have to do interviews like you know through uh, through plexiglass or something. I told him I wanted to be in the quarantine. And the reason I said that is one is I want to know what it's like to be in there. I want to experience that. I want to have, uh, you know, the experience of that cabin fever. So I know what the players are going through. Um, so I wanted to sort of be in there and, and, and be part of that Stockholm syndrome thing that you would get with the players, you know, like you're all hostages together. The other part of it is too. I mean, I think we talked about this last week. Could you imagine if I'm outside the bubble and I go and do an interview with Chicharito or somebody at Pavone, and uh, they get sick, and maybe it's not my fault, and you can't prove it's my fault, but everyone's going to think it's my fault. Right. Um, I would have to stay in Orlando, probably. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be allowed back. No. All interesting stuff. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll sort of, I guess we'll sort of leave it there. You have anything else you want to sort of close on? Because it seems like we've talked in circles. No, I, I I was really opposed to this idea at first. I thought I liked the players. I thought there were way too many questions and way too many dangers. And the the big question they really have to answer to everyone's satisfaction, and that'll be impossible because no one's ever going to agree on this. What happens if a player tests positive? What do they do at that point? Um, I do uh, I do think that this may be the best option I've seen so far. Um, perhaps splitting this um, if they went, say, Kansas City for the West and Orlando for the East. Now you have half as many players. Does that lessen the risk because you're in two different places and all it the should. players aren't together? Or does, or does that increase the risk because now you're in two different population centers where the, the virus is moving at different rates? So, But then also, if an Orlando player gets sick, he's in Orlando and you don't have to shut down the whole league. You only have to shut down the teams that are there. There's a lot of things to talk about, but I think uh, – what I'm hearing from the players is they want to know the rules. What's being done to protect them, A, and B, if that fails, if someone tests positive, as we're seeing play out in Italy right now, what are the rules? The Italian government says the whole team's quarantined. Syria says, no, 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 just one guy. Um, but I am starting to warm up to this idea. I do think that this is the best way to get started. And, you know, uh, you see the NBA is trying to do the same thing. They're even talking about Disney World as well. Right. Um, Major League Baseball is getting really close to restarting their season. Could be in two different places, Arizona and Florida. Uh, of course, they have a few more teams. So I, I'm I'm really beginning to soften on this. I was uh, opposed a week ago. I'm beginning to see the wisdom of this if something's going to happen. But as you mentioned earlier, it's a gamble. If it goes right. Don Garber and the commissioner, you know, the commissioner and, and the league, they look like geniuses and everything's beautiful, but it could go south real fast. You could have lawsuits. You could have people getting really sick. Um, it could be a mess and the league may never recover. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, next week, I think. Next week, week and a half, are going to be really telling about whether this Orlando thing kicks off. So we'll just uh, we'll keep watching it, keep looking for that news to be breaking, and uh, I think that'll be uh, sort of where we uh, where we leave this one. You good, Kevin? I'm good. All right. So far. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, at KBaxter11 is where you can find him. And please head on over to the LATimes.com where you can read all this wonderful Metro reporting and hopefully with sports uh, starting to school back up there and uh, maybe Kevin can get back on uh, writing about some soccer stuff a little bit more. So we'll see how that uh, continues. But please go over to LA Times uh, and get get read all your stories from Mr. Kevin Baxter. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course at Galaxy podcast cornerofthegalaxy.com Larry Morgan had a great article a little return of Larry Morgan's notebook comes back uh, from last so check out the first day of uh, individual training on Thursday we have that article there and of course keeping you up to date on everything going on all our podcasts are right there as well remind your friends to listen to our podcast we're still doing them even though it's not playing um, so uh, so important stuff is going on that you need to know about your friends need to know about so please get out there share like retweet do all that stuff for us we'd really appreciate it all right I think that about does it for Mr. Kevin Baxter I'm Josh Gessman you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Vox on cornerofthegalaxy.com have a great one everybody you've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast and be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes Stitcher and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy fans we thank you for listening and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast we thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again until then i'm michael arajo and on behalf of the entire corner of the galaxy crew goodbye everybody